Hey, this is Jesse Paul Smith, my Creative District podcast, and super excited about this episode. I get to sit down and chat with my good friend, Bree uh, Donofrio, who is the founder of VEE by Bree Virtual Event Experiences. This lady knows what it takes to put on a successful live event, virtual event. She has created over a thousand unique events. Uh, worldwide venues, everywhere is from private dinners to fundraisers to music festivals. And she literally crushes it. Uh, The other thing that's awesome about her is she really understands this app called Clubhouse. When the pandemic happened, we talk all about how she went from doing events offline to virtual events to learning how to build an amazing platform on Clubhouse and now it's helping other people do it. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Let's get to it. Welcome to another episode of the My Creative District podcast, where we discuss how to channel your creative power into building the life you want, building the business you want, and making the impact you want. We believe creatives can live out a passionate and fulfilled life when they completely embrace their unique design and purpose. Want to turn your passion into profit? Stay tuned to hear from industry professionals, paradigm shifters, and world changers who have done just that and live it every day. This is the My Creative District podcast with your host, Jesse Paul Smith. All right, I am so excited to have my friend Brie Donafrio here, founder of VEE by Brie, Virtual Event Experiences. Super excited to dive into all your experiences with events, live events, virtual events, uh, and this little app called Clubhouse and uh, how you have built a massive platform using that uh, social media app. But uh, Bree, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you on my Creative District Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I got a chance to be introduced to you through a, a small group that we have, uh, we kind of have mutual connections through on Clubhouse. Several of them have been on my podcast. And so um, when we had a chance to chat a little bit, not only about the app, but about your background and the businesses you've built um, using this this app that is still, you know, it's it's not in its crazy craze phase like it was back in, you know, early December, January, but still being talked about a lot, still being used to, to do amazing things. But I love the fact that, you know, we have a bunch of creatives that listen to this podcast. And I love the fact that, you know, you started out wanting to be a movie star. So tell me a little bit about like the early dream for Brie growing up. Ah, you really did do your homework. <laughs> so, I mean, for me, that's like, like what little girl isn't like, I want to be a movie star. Right. But for me, so I grew up in a family in the arts my, like my father was a musician. My mother was on stage, like in the theater. And so I started acting in theatrical productions, you know, whether it was school or community theater when I was like five years old. So for me, you know, like being center stage and on the stage, that was absolutely the fantasy, like auditioning for commercials, you know, all that stuff. And it was Southern California, it was Orange County. So every kid uh, like is going to be a movie star. 
Um, so for me, I did that. I did theater all the way into college, actually. I even went to a boarding school in high school for theater. And then when I was in college, I actually caught a film bug. You know, it was like taking a film class. And the next thing I know, I was like, oh, this is fun behind the camera. And I ended up stumbling out of performing, you know, on the stage or performing in front of the camera. And I ended up going into film editing and sound design. And so it was quite a transition, but that was how, that's kind of like the early starts of the story. So now did your parents, did they do like acting and music for a living? Is that what they did? No, it was always um, just hobby that we just did, honestly, out of like pure passion. My dad was always working in parks and recreation. So I grew up around a lot of volunteer work as well. And my mom was a nurse. And so it's like when they weren't working, this is what we did for fun. And for me, when I wasn't in school, it was what I was doing for fun. So it's just it's the way it's always been. It's a very artistic family. That's awesome. That's awesome. And now when you you got the you says you got the the editing bug um like how did you you know discover that did you did you have friends that did it or how did you decide that that was something you were going to get into so i first got a taste of it when i was 15 i actually went to ucla and when i was there i was taking theater classes i was in their theater program and i took like one elective that was an intro to film production And we had a project and you had to put together your own short film. And it was my first time I'm in an editing suite and I'm cutting it together. And the next thing I know, they're closing the suite at night and I've spent like 12 hours in it. And it ended up being that like day after day. And that was my first taste of how much I enjoyed it. Now, I was very lucky. The boarding school that I went to is called Idlewild Arts Academy in Southern California. And one of the things that was nice was they always catered to your art and creativity. So when there was a final, say a history class, you had an option to do something more creative. So if it wasn't writing an essay, I could make a documentary because it was catering to my creative side and my artistic self. And that was what the school wanted. So I was doing this on the side, not realizing one, how much of a natural I was at it, or two, that that was even a career path in any way, shape, or form. And then when I got into college, that was when I really tapped into it. And I moved out of a theater major entirely and went into film and just consumed every film editing like opportunity I could do. And then in my later years, I went to a pretty advanced sound design class and was doing Foley art. That's like when you're, uh, that's the people who you're watching a film and you're making the crunching of like someone walking on leaves and you're doing everything like with a really amazing condenser mic. And that was, that was it. Once I tried that and I got to see the results of like the creativity and that process, that was when it was editing sound design. And I did it for, I mean, for years, I would do different projects and do it for fun just because I enjoyed it. So that was kind of like the dream was to do, to do that once you started to play with it. But it's interesting because your first job had nothing to do with film. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what, what did that first job look like for you? How did you find out about it? What made you decide to go that direction? 
So for events, I take it. <laughs> how, did, how did that happen? So it was my first job that I got. It was an administrative assistant at a Chamber of Commerce in the area. And anyone that's familiar with Chambers of Commerce knows that events are practically every day. There's it's always the a ribbon cutting. There's always, yeah, there's always a grand opening. There's always a food and wine event. It was nonstop. And for me, it was as simple as that. It was a first job, you know, that I was trying out. It was like minimum wage, maybe a little above minimum wage, just to get my foot in the door and to have a job for once while going to school. And I did that and it ended up increasing kind of with workload. I was really good at it. And so all the film stuff was on the side for fun, you know, kind of a side hustle. I still was able to make some money off of doing some commercials in the area, things like that. But ultimately, I started getting deeper and deeper into events, taking on more responsibility, you know, moving up in the organizations and kind of just blew up. After the first few years, I had a couple hundred events under my belt and it just kind of took off from there. So a lot of this has been a lot of like kind of stumbling into different things. I mean, I guess that's life. And ended up just loving all of it. Now, it's interesting because I read, you know, something that you said that I talk a lot about on this show. And you said that, you know, one of the things that I realized was that my background in film and theater set me up to be successful when it came to events, because you've done events, everything from, like you said, these wine tastings all the way down to your own music festival. And so, and having crowds of up to 40,000 people. So it's not, we're talking these small events, right? But you, you found your and, and I talk about this so much on, on this show, because I, I believe so many times people get super tunnel vision and they say, I'm going to do this. Right. So I want to I want to be a dancer. I want to be an actress. I want to be a recording artist. So they focus on this one path. But there are so many more opportunities that if we will open our eyes, that we can still use what we're passionate about to create opportunities elsewhere. You, you are passionate about film. You're passionate about video editing. You're passionate about these different things, these theater things. And and because of that, you use that to your advantage in events. Talk to me a little bit about how you combine those two and how you found your, your magic spot, so to speak, um, by doing that. Yeah, it's interesting. So I definitely never saw that kind of perfect storm, if you will, until looking back on it in an interview that was maybe like a year ago or yeah, I think it was about maybe a year ago or something. And in reflection was when I realized that, oh, wow, this was, I mean, as cheesy as it sounds, like all very much meant to be. And it's been one of those things that I feel really confident saying it made me very much stand out in the way that I curate events because I come from a creative space and I come from a place of storytelling because that's how it is with theater and film, especially with editing. And when it comes to sound, you know, you're given all these pieces to a puzzle, essentially. And you're trusted to take all of those pieces and out of order, a total mess and often more than you need to create a seamless and impactful story. And so when I came into the event space, and especially once we went virtual, I mean, that was like, couldn't be more perfect. Um, 
I viewed it as a story. It was all about the details. So I always found the most impactful events were when you can incorporate something that's unexpected, that was out of the norm. And so if it was something that was more of a private event, to learn something that was meaningful to those attendees or to the person that was being curated to, like some sort of a story. And if you can incorporate something unexpected, especially if it brings on a feeling of nostalgia, then those people leave and it's not just any event because now it touched a part of them. And they're going to, of course, you know, then look forward to the next one. So when it comes to story and taking a whole bunch of pieces and putting them together to create an experience that people walk away with something that has just transformed them, whether it's just a little bit or it's huge and it's something they never experienced before. That was what I always tried to do, whether it was a dinner, you know, in a speakeasy in Boston for three people or it was a music festival for over 40,000. Either way, I always took that approach because that was just how that was just the way my brain worked. It was how I thought as a creative and a storyteller. And I think that's one of the reasons why I excelled at such a rapid like pace in the event space was because I had such a unique uh, approach. I wasn't on autopilot. It wasn't like, you know, a wash, rinse, repeat, like lots of people do for the events where it's like, that's what we've always done. No, like, like screw that. <laughs> I just have to watch my language because I am huge on experimentation and adaptation. And so that's huge for me. And so with every event, you know, I pay attention to the world around us and things that are meaningful and I adapt, you know, as they see fit. And that's kind of always just been the way it is. I love trying new things. That's why Clubhouse has been freaking awesome. And when something just fits and it feels right, I just go with it. It could be temporary. It could be, you know, something that only lasts a little while or it could be forever. And I just take it one day at a time as long as it kind of fills my cup. Yeah, I think, you know, you bring a really important uh, topic up about this whole do something outside of the norm, do something that people aren't expecting, because I've been to countless events, both virtual and, um, you know, in-person events from, you know, personal growth and development conferences to concerts and, and, and they're not all created equal for sure. You know, and there's, there's this, there's this push to do live events, whether it's virtual or in-person. And I think live events building a business or a platform using live events is super important, but you, you do have to create this memorable experience. And I think that's why somebody, you know, uh, needs to go a little bit beyond just thinking about, well, I want to do an event. So here's, here's my question for you, because you've put together so many events, how do you help people create those moments for, the clients that do show up to these events, what, what types of things or questions are you asking them so that they can, you know, create this nostalgia moment for those that are attending? So it often definitely depends too, because every event is, is different and you always have to at least start out with understanding what's the purpose. I mean, that's the huge thing. You know, what exactly is the goal of this event? What do you want to achieve? And another thing that I think a lot of people don't think about, and I do because I view things as like a stage or a screen to an audience. As I said, that's just how my brain works. It's how do you want people to feel? So that's another thing I want to know is how do you want people to feel? What do you want that experience to be like that they're going to take away from the event? So it's not just about you. 
It's not just self-serving about like, what are your goals? Oh, we want to make a million dollars or, you know, we want, if it's virtual, we want to build our email list, but let's also now turn it around and let's put the mirror. Now let's think about your audience and your attendees and the people you are serving and what do you want them to take away? And I think that's something that's really important because if it's someone's like, we want them to, if it's something motivational, like a keynote, we want them to feel really empowered and they're going to now have an affiliation with us so that they're going to want to come back for more or so they're going to want to invest in a coaching program, like whatever that looks like. And that's going to create definitely a lot of strategy for the way you're going to curate that event and the different tools that you're going to want to incorporate and communication and marketing, et cetera. But if it's something where we want to create intimacy and, you know, we want it to be very intimate and small where people really have an opportunity to connect in small groups or, you know, create relationships. There's just so many different directions you can go in. And if I were to just say like one thing that I think people forget more and more often, it's about the people that you are serving, not just about you and or your organization and how you're going to serve yourself. And so that is a really Mm -hmm. big thing that I think about. And that is why you need to make sure that you have an event strategist as a part of your formula, because the, I just see this all the time is that they don't think about, you know, and we hear this over and over again, but, you know, build it with the end in mind. You have to understand, like you said, the number one thing is why are you even doing an event? Cause it's not just to have people gather and have speakers or have performers or whatever the deal is like, we have to realize that the most successful businesses, platforms, entertainers, they understand this principle that there is a purpose behind everything that we do. And having somebody that is really good at, you know, thinking through the strategy behind the live event is, is so, you know, so important. And I know because I've put on you know, as a recording artist, you know, promoting my own concerts or even like putting on my own live events for my clients, like this part is super critical. And, um, and, and so I'm, I'm, this is a perfect segue though, because obviously 2020 happened and live events went, Hmm, we're going to take a nap. Uh, and, uh, there is, there was a lot of people scrambling, but out of this, there's this app that kind of came up because, um, you know, people were getting Zoom fatigue. That was a real thing. Like Zoom fatigue was real. Um, And people were looking for a different way to connect. And so talk to me about your journey with Clubhouse. How did you discover it? And kind of what has happened, how you found it to be useful for what you do um, with the type of app that it is? So it's so interesting (laughs) when I look back. I joined Clubhouse in late December. And then I think, and I could stand corrected, but I believe the active user shop was like around 600,000 or something, which for a social app is very small, very, very small. And when I joined, I joined not knowing what Clubhouse was. I just saw on Facebook newsfeed, people were starting to talk about it. It was a lot of people in the coaching industry saying, you know, are you on Clubhouse yet? Or I'm looking for an invite to Clubhouse. And I couldn't help but wonder, FOMO, like what the hell is everyone talking about? So I asked, and that's how I heard it's this, you know, audio app. I didn't hear much and it's invite only. So I downloaded it 
I joined the wait list and like that exact day I was let in by someone that happened to be on the app that got a notification that I was on the wait list and she let me in and I had no idea what I was doing. I scrolled through the hallway, which is like the newsfeed, and I just tapped on names and it brought me into what turned out to be a room audio conversation. My first thought, I was terrified because I thought they could hear me. Like, I didn't know what was happening. I thought I just walked into a group phone call and I left immediately. <laughs> now, later, it was either that night or the next night, the founders, Paul and Rohan, held their weekly welcome room for new members. So I went into that and I was able to then learn just kind of the basics of the app. Felt a little more comfortable. And... It was, it's interesting. Someone coming from a stage, you know, in person, virtual events, community building, let alone sound design, which is audio. It's like, once again, this really interesting, perfect storm of this app was freaking made for me and my people. (laughs) That was, I mean, that's all I could think of. And on top of it, The best part is it's audio, so I could just bring it with me anywhere. You know, you don't have to be at the camera, like at Zoom, or make sure I have my internet hardwired because I I had to ensure that stuff for the virtual space. I could just bring my phone anywhere with me and I'm on. And I'd say within the first two weeks, I ended up starting the Virtual Events and Experiences Collective Club with a friend of mine, Rachel Green. And within the first month, I, I would say, I, I don't know about her, but I averaged like 80 hours, I think a week of Clubhouse content. Yeah, I we were doing a show. We thought it would be once a week, but so many people started to come on that we did it every single day called Virtual Insanity. It would be different things about virtual events or the events industry. And it just blew up within, I don't know, like six weeks, our club was at like 10,000 members. And I was getting like, 500 followers every 48 hours. And then every day I was just wild, but the app also blew up. It went from 600,000 users in December to 4 million, you know, two months later. I mean, it was just out of control. It was wild. So what about the app do you find is super important? Because I think so many people uh, or, you know, these different platforms come out and you hear people say, well, is it for me? You know, and I can think of somebody that's like a dancer that's, you know, all they do is visual. So I kept hearing this. Dancers are like, why should I join the app? Because it's not going to really help me any. I can't show my dancing ability. I can't, you know, but why should people even in the visual space still get on Clubhouse and how does it help them build their platform? Sure. Um, so I have, there's a lot of creatives that are on Clubhouse, huge film community and acting community, as well as a lot of content creators, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. And the way that that would work to put into that context is the relationship building. That's like the golden ticket with Clubhouse, period, is the relationships that you make. That's how I feel. That's where I've seen the biggest like return on time, return on investment. That's been most valuable in my life, both in business and personally. And so for those who are saying like, but no one can see me, right? I can't post a video of myself dancing. Well, you don't need to, because that's not the premise of Clubhouse. Clubhouse is where you start building relationships and you have really valuable conversations. Doesn't mean everything has to be all business all the time because you bond with people on other levels too. 
there's so much more to us. So, you know, people bond based off of their childhood or that they love Chinese food or that they're single parent or grew up with a single parent. There's so many more layers. And I think one of the things that's nice about Clubhouse and the diversity of rooms and interests that are on there and the millions of people is that you can go into all of those places and create relationships with people. You don't need Clubhouse for video because you have Instagram or you have your TikTok or you have your YouTube. So if anything, you think about it as Clubhouse is the starting point to build new relationships, to grow them and to strengthen them and to gain an audience because you can absolutely build community and build fans. And then you bring them over to the other platforms, which you should do anyways. You know, if you're on TikTok, you should be sending them to YouTube and Instagram, whatever channels you have. It's the same thing. And Instagram is the go-to app with Clubhouse anyways, because you can only link Instagram and Twitter. Everyone uses Instagram on Clubhouse. So it's already a piece of it. It's just an extension. So you bond with people and build relationships talking about your shared interests or, you know, common core values, whatever it is that brings you together with like-minded people on Clubhouse. And then you can connect with them further off of the app. So that's the way that it would work. So if you're a dancer and your goal is, you know, I'm looking to get more work. I want to be seen by really well-known choreographers or a movie producer, someone that's creating a reality show. Well, then you would strategically place yourself in those spaces on Clubhouse, joining rooms, uh, joining clubs in those niches, in that industry, build relationships. Those people then can go to your social channels where that content is, and they can see you there. The thing that's nice is you've already had the one-on-one conversation, normally it's the other way around. So a producer or a casting director, whatever it is, has to see your content first and you hope it's good enough to have the conversation. It's the other way around with Clubhouse. You get a connection first and that changes the whole way they view your content rather than vice versa. That's so true too, because I've been on so many of those stages that are on Clubhouse and whether it's them talking, whether the speaker's talking to me or whatever the deal is, every time somebody jumps up there and asks a question or whatever the deal is, somebody's like, yeah, so I'm looking at your Instagram right now. Like it's instant. They are constantly going on Instagram to like find out more about you. Now, I know that you, I mean, obviously you spent a ton of time (laughs) on the app, right? 80 hours uh, a week. But for somebody as brand new, maybe, maybe somebody has dabbled in the app how does somebody build a following on there quickly? Because I know that was one of the things that you did is you amassed a pretty significant following very quickly um, on the app. So what's the strategy behind that? And how can someone else replicate those results? So personally, at the growth rate that myself and other people that came in, I would say between November and early January, it's a different growth rate now. It, it just absolutely is because the traffic has changed. So I, and I have to give that like that reality check and credit where it's due, wherein that I came in and I was hosting rooms and I was super active and connecting with people who are now also like 10,000 plus followers or into like six figure followers when we had nothing. And so we just happened to be some of the few that were in rooms together and we just connected on a, on a one-on-one basis. And 
we just happened to be ones who were on there when this flood of millions of people all of a sudden joined the app. And we were already somewhat established and hosting rooms and figured out the app and had banter and great conversation and regular shows. And so we were fortunate enough to have this huge crowd come on just after us. And everyone was in this hype and they were also very keen to follow fast. And they took those call to actions very, very quickly. Over the past few months, there's definitely been different audiences that have come in um, and different industries and audiences, you know, treat social differently. They have different approaches and it also slowed down the download rate. And then it opened to Android. And now we have a few million that are coming on again. So one of the things is, is I wouldn't go in with this expectation of everyone's just going to follow you to follow you. It's not like that. You have to provide value for someone to have a reason to follow you. So that's something that I think is really important. So something, one of the other creators who's on there, he's become one of my best friends. I quote him like left and right because he always drops these great little one-liners and they're so valuable. His name is Brandon Lark. And Brandon always says that when you get on a stage on Clubhouse, make sure when you say something, it's something worth hearing. That what you say is basically worth that time on the mic and give people a reason to follow you. And I think that's something that's really important. So if you come in and you're like, how can I grow you know, my following as fast as possible? You have to put in the sweat equity on the app to do it. People aren't gonna follow you because your profile exists. People are gonna follow you because of what you say and how often they see you, just like in life. You know, you need to see each other and you need to connect and you need to connect more and more often. And that's why the people that are the most successful on this app, you're going to see them every single day, every day on there. So, you know, I've heard this a couple of times, you know, from people that Clubhouse is just a fad. It's going to go away. Um, you know, it's it's after the Android, as you said, they finally opened it to Android because it was iPhone only. Um, but after the Android flood, it's going to kind of just wash away. Somebody that has built a pretty significant business as a result to Clubhouse and 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 is somebody that's in deep, like you know all the intricacies of what's going on. Where do you see Clubhouse going and do you still see it as an app that people need to pay attention to and build a platform on? Yeah, absolutely. There's 1000% an entirely new wave of, you know, content creators now or influencers. It's the audio space. And it's something that's been talked about for a while. And, you know, you see with podcasting, podcasting has now blown up, I think, because of it, too. There's a ton of new people that are now creating podcasts because they feel comfortable in the audio space. And when you start seeing other big companies try and replicate something and not do a very good job at it so far because there's a ton that are trying to replicate what Clubhouse has created. And so far, no one's whooped its ass because Clubhouse is a standalone. It has this its own culture and its own language and its own etiquette. And I mean, these unspoken rules, everything about it, it's the most fascinating ecosystem that I've ever seen in a digital space. And I think it's not that it's going somewhere. I think it's going to fall on the creators. 
not the app developers. It's going to be on the creators on this platform that drive it. They drive the content hands down. And so it's just a matter of the people who come on and what do you do with this app? I see it personally. I see it going in a direction more of bringing back radio shows and talk radio. Like those are the stuff that's becoming really successful. And the app founders uh, clubhouse, they created a program that literally is now funding 25 creators on there to have weekly shows. And they now get funding for it and everything. It was a huge competition. It was amazing. I produced one of them and they won. And that was just the most amazing feeling in the world. But something that they all have in common is every single one of these shows can totally translate to radio. And that says something. And so I could see podcasters doing really well on the app. They just have to adjust kind of their comfort space of just the one-on-one, you know, more interview style podcasting and understand that there's like suddenly this live component where anything can happen, which I think is what people really love about Clubhouse. There's an unpredictability about it. Um, A friend of mine, Sana, who's on the app, she said Clubhouse is like this beautiful chaos. And I think it's just one of the best descriptions I've ever heard. So I don't think it's going anywhere. I just think it's going to be driven by the creators rather than the platform. And that's kind of really where your business, I mean, you're still doing events and stuff like that, but that's really where your business has shifted now is you're helping content creators, coaches, uh, you know, influencers that want to to, to broaden their reach and build on this unique platform, you're teaching them how to do it and, and do it well. So what, you know, what has been some of the big things that you have helped people to change in their approach with this app versus all the other ones that's starting to help them get results? Because I know the approach that you take with Clubhouse is quite a bit different. <laughs> Yeah. So one of the things when it comes to other apps, like you'll take, uh, you know, TikTok, Instagram, for example, is you can edit, you know, you can script, you can edit, you can use filters, you can, you can change, you can morph your content to make it better. But on Clubhouse, and then also you can batch it. That's the other thing. So like you can create content in advance and then put it out, right? Not with Clubhouse. Clubhouse, you have to show up in real time and all you have is you. You have your voice, your personality, your spirit, your intellect, you know, your knowledge, all of that. And it's just in the moment. So you can script and like practice as much as your little heart desires, but you don't know what someone else is going to say on that stage. And with Clubhouse, it's not the you show. And that's the other thing. In fact, the people that stand out the most on Clubhouse that do so well, for example, Josh Constantine's huge creator. He interviewed Mark Zuckerberg. He interviewed the founders last week. One of the things that makes him so amazing is he is like a talk show host. He brings out the best of the other people on stage. Not about him. And that on Clubhouse, I think, is what it's all about hands down, but you have to be so comfortable in that live, real time, anything can happen space where you're not going to be able to filter it. You can't edit it. There's no going back, no going back that I think that's the huge thing. And when I say time, it's not creating like a 60 second, you know, like a one minute video or a five minute YouTube. 
and where you put it out once a week. You know, when I say time, it's some of these rooms on Clubhouse go for hours. Some go for all night. Some go for days. And it takes a lot of coordination, very similar to an event, to do that. Where There's communication that's going on behind the scenes. There's basically staffing that's happening for people to help control the stage. I mean, there's so much that goes into these really big, hugely impactful rooms that a lot of people don't realize. And even with the shows, I ever run a show, there's like a rough script. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. You know, and I think that is one of the things that is unique about Clubhouse because relationships aren't built on 60 second clips, right? Relationships are built over a conversation over some time. And I think one of the things that Clubhouse does give you the ability to do is like you said, with Instagram, it's like you're, they have to see your stuff first and then maybe reach out to you where now you get a chance to get right in front of them. You get a chance to, 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 you know, make that first impression. I always, I always talk about uh, serve instead of sell. If you're serving people, the sales stuff comes really natural when you're out there trying to speak and you kind of said it, this talk show host does a really good job of highlighting other people. He's serving them. The people that want to get on there and talk all day long. And we, we talked about this offline is, is like everybody with a mic, you got to be careful on clubhouse because everybody with a mic wants to try to sound like an expert, right? But they're busy trying to sell themselves. They're trying to highlight themselves and make themselves uh, look a lot better. So, you know, I think with Clubhouse, the unique proposition is, is really getting a chance to build a real relationship. And I know there's like some crazy relationships. I've seen people that I follow on social media that just went on a trip, I believe, to Hawaii, and they all met on Clubhouse. Like there's some I've really crazy eight. stuff. I've gone on wow. eight. I'm like, can't keep track of my own fingers. <laughs> I was like, I have seven. I have ten up. I've just finished my eighth clubhouse meetup. I've gone to like Los Angeles, San Diego, Las Vegas, Miami. And I'm now coordinating. Um, I mean, it's practically, to be honest, I haven't even like publicly talked about this. <laughs> By the way, I'm practically coordinating a like North American world tour. It almost feels like North American world, like this North American tour, because all these people have DM saying, I want one near me. I want one near me. Or like, where was my invite? Well, I don't know where like 14 and a half, like thousand followers live. And so I have to start collecting now this information. And I realized I just need to build out some of these. I mean, there's the events again, like coming in, right? And so I have another one that's going to be coming up in LA, uh, June 25th, no location or anything yet. There's like three dozen clubhouse people that want to come to it already, And so I'm already starting to think ahead now. All these people want to meet in person, but a lot of them just don't know how to initiate that or they're not comfortable reaching out or they genuinely don't know how to like coordinate meeting at a venue and stuff. So I figure I'm happy to be that catalyst. It's what I do for a living. And I can coordinate these meetups around in some of the main cities and give people the opportunity to connect in real life. Love that. Love that. Well, um, 
if uh, I'm going to have to find out about the one in LA, cause I know I would be interested in that, but um, listen, I, I know that you, um, you have some amazing things that people can check out and help them build out their clubhouse platform. Where can people connect with you and learn more about what you uh, do? Honestly, I can just be DM'd on Instagram or email. So Instagram, it's my name. It's at Brie D'Onofrio. I'm Brie D'Onofrio everywhere. So it makes it so easy to find. Or you can even email team at BrieDenoprio.com. And that's the easiest. Probably those are the two ways to reach me. Or you can find me on Clubhouse. Because <laughs> I'm always in rooms. Anyways, they could just talk to me one-on-one. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, listen, Bree, it's been an absolute blast uh, chatting with you. I know you added a ton of value. And for all of you guys that are listening, make sure you go check out Bree uh, at her Instagram, like she said. And make sure you check out this app clubhouse and if you gave up on it for a little bit try it out again because i'm telling you there is a lot of value there you just have to learn how to do it right my girl brie will be able to show you how to do that just that so brie again thank you so much for joining and uh look forward to chatting with you again sometime soon thank you so much it was awesome bye everybody thank you for listening to another episode of the my creative district podcast with your host jesse paul smith Here, we turn your passion into profit. Follow us on Facebook and stay tuned for another episode of the My Creative District podcast.